Thank you, and uh, hello. Hello to you if you're, you're here, and uh, great to see you, well, great to have you with us uh, if you're looking in online. Trust God's going to do us good as he speaks to us now through his word. Uh, Goff last week set us off to a great start in our new series, Courageous Faith, a journey through the book of Joshua, and um, we're going to be picking up the story uh, today at chapter 1, verses 9 through 18. So if you've got a Bible or it's on your phone, you might want to kind of skim there in readiness in just a moment, but let me set the scene. God's people are on the uh, east bank of the River Jordan. Uh, they've been wandering through the desert. God has led them now to this place. And on the other side of the Jordan, on the west side of the Jordan, is a land uh, described as flowing with milk and honey. So a wonderful place, a, a paradise place, and yet it's heavily guarded by fortified cities. It's a key moment for them. Will they cross over? Will they cross over into all that God has promised them? And it's a key moment for us as well in many ways. I mean, it's uh, the church life goes in, in phases and seasons, and I really sense, and we sense together, this is a key moment for us. If things have been a little bit different over the last kind of few months and even years, and, but right now we're kind of poised to, to step forward once again, to step into those things that God has called us to. God has been speaking to us about preparing us, about reconfiguring us, about reshaping us for future fruitfulness and effectiveness in extending his kingdom and building his church. And, and here we stand. And the question is, will we move forward? Will we, will we press forward? Will we step over into all that God has for us? To gather, grow, and go in the power of the Spirit to see the promises of God fulfilled uh, in our time, in, in this next season of, uh, of, the, of church life that God is calling us into. There's always going to be a Jordan to cross in order to move forward into those things that God has called us into. God has taken us so far, and now the question is, will we press on? Will we continue into all that he has for us next? And so there's this key question that's been, that's been in my mind, really, as I've been looking at this passage, and it's a key question that each of us will be asking ourselves. I mean, all the time, every day in one sense, from the moment we wake up, but particularly now, it seems, this is a key moment for us, just as it was a key moment for the, the Israelites as they were there on that east bank of the River Jordan. And the question is this, should I stay or should I go? Should I stay or should I go? And some of us will have an, uh, an 80s pop song in our mind right now, and uh, I'm tempted to do, the, uh, to, to do what comes next. But whether or not you can remember that far back, you will have this question in your mind as God speaks, as God calls us into the next thing that he has for us. Will I stay or will I go? There will be trouble, in fact, if we move forward into all that God has for us. It will take courage. And of course, God speaks to his people here about courage. And we'll read about that in just a moment. But here's the question I want to ask you. Here's the question that each one of us will be answering in one way or another. Today, tomorrow, as we go forward together. Will I stay or will I go? So let's read Joshua chapter 1, verses 9 to 18. This is the Lord says to Joshua, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And Joshua commanded the officers of the people, pass through the midst of the camp and command the people, prepare your provisions, 
For within three days you are to pass over this Jordan to go in to take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving you to possess. And to the Reubenites and the Gadites and the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, Remember the word of Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God is providing you a place of rest and will give you this land. Your wives, your little ones, and your livestock shall remain in the land that Moses gave you beyond the Jordan. But all the men of valor among you shall pass over armed before your brothers and shall help them until the Lord gives rest to your brothers as he has to you. And they also take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving to them. Then you shall return to the land of your possession and shall possess it, the land that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you beyond the Jordan towards the sunrise. And they answered Joshua, all that you have commanded us, we will do. And whatever you, you send us, we will go. Just as we obeyed Moses in all things, so we also obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your commandments and disobeys your words, whoever you command him, whatever you command him, shall be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. So you see this passage, this short passage here, if, uh, if you look at it, it's bookended by this statement, be strong and courageous. There it is in verse 9, and right there at the end in verse 18, be strong and courageous. This whole passage is about being strong and courageous. And that's because it's frightening. It can be scary stepping over into the next thing that God calls us into, stepping over the River Jordan. It can be tempting, tempting not to go. It can be tempting to kind of hold back. It can be tempting just to kind of stay on the edge of things. But the question is, will we stay or will we go? Will we stay in the desert or will we go into the, all the fullness and the goodness of those things that God has for us, that he's spoken to us about? So there's the question, and this is what's needed, strength and courage to step over. And so I started looking at this passage here for what is going to help us, what is going to give us courage as, as it did to the Israelites to press forward and to step forward into those things that God is calling us into. And I highlighted three words, or one of them is more of a kind of a two words, I suppose, but I highlighted three words as I read through this passage, and I felt there were three things that God would want to encourage us in to help us move forward together. So the first one, well, the first little phrase is with you. God is with you. We... Uh, these guys, they prized the presence of God. It meant something to them. It was important to them. They valued the fact that God would go with them. It's going to make all the difference. And just as our passage kind of starts and ends with be strong and courageous, if you move kind of one level in, as it were, there you get this uh, exhortation. For the Lord your God is with you. And here in verse 9, Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed, for... Because, here's the reason why not to be, because the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. This is the reason not to be fearful. This is the reason to step forward with courage, because God is with us. And then again, actually, it's kind of there right at the end, in verse 17, where the people say to Joshua, they say, oh, oh, well, we'll go with you, fine, we'll follow you, we'll do what you say, only here's, here's the one thing that matters to us. May the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. May God be with you. They weren't primarily concerned about whether Joshua was a, a great leader or whether Joshua was uh, a great warrior 
or whether Joshua was a fantastic strategist, they, 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 I mean, they were not the key things in their mind. What was most important to them, what was going to make the difference between staying on the edge, between staying on the east bank and crossing over the Jordan into the land that God had given to them, was, is God with you? If God is with you, then we're going to. This gave them courage. Only may God be with you as he was with Moses. They'd seen the difference the presence of God had made to them before, and now they wanted to go where the presence of God was. This is what caused them to move forward. And it's the deciding factor with us as well. As God calls us forward into the things that he has for us, the question in our mind, should I stay or should I go? What is the deciding factor? Is God going to be with me? Is God going to be with us as we step forward into this? Is this God calling us? Will he be with us? And of course, wonderfully, we have the promises of God that we, if you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, that you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. We have this, I mean, David kind of had, had the, he, King David had, had something of an experience of this. Where can I go from your presence? Everywhere I go, you're there. You're, you're with me. And so it is for the follower of Jesus. Jesus says, I'll be, with, I'll be with you. And so we know we have the presence of God with us wherever we go. God is with us. We're the temple of the Holy Spirit. The, the all-powerful, all-present creator of the universe is with us wherever we go. He's with you wherever you go. He promises to be there. He's everywhere present, of course. He's not bound by space and time. And yet, he, he says, where you go, I will particularly show myself. Where you go, I will particularly act through you. When you do something in response to my promises and my calling, I will be there. I will supply, I will supply the strength. This gives us great courage. It gave them great courage and they could look back and I'm sure many of us can look back to times when you thought that, that that was the only reason that there was any any fruit there or success there was because God was with us God was with me as I stepped out so that's the first thing God with us is God with us makes a difference between whether you stay or whether you go the second word I highlighted was possess because the second thing that the Israelites uh, prized that gave them courage was that God had promised them things that they were to possess. He'd promised them a land. He said, I'm giving you a land for you to possess. Again, if we, we're kind of working our way in, be strong and courageous. The Lord your God is with you. And now we find again in verse 10 and again in verse 15 this, this promise that God is giving the land to them. It says in verse 10, prepare your provisions, for within three days you are to pass over this Jordan. Go in to take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving to you to possess. God is giving you the land. Again in verse 15, the end of verse 15, then you shall return to the land of your possession and shall possess it, the land that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you beyond the Jordan toward the sunrise. God was giving them the land. The, the, the deciding factor was not going to be their strength. Were they going to be powerful enough to, to, to wrench it out of the hands of the Canaanites and those that were living there? The deciding factor was, had God promised to give it to them? Had God given it to them? The land didn't belong to the Canaanites, ultimately. It was God's land, and it was his to give to them. And he was said, I'm giving it to you. Here it is. There it is. You go and take it. It's yours. The question is, would they believe him? Would they believe 
God that he was actually giving the land to them, that it was his, and he was giving it to them? Would they step over believing that they were taking hold of something which God was giving them? It wasn't about whether they were strong enough, whether they had the right strategy. I mean, the, 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 the things that God asked them to do, that actually they, they win the land, are extraordinary. They're not what you would expect. It wasn't about military strength or strategy. Was God with them? And was God giving them the land? And were they, were they believing it? Because believing it, they would step over the River Jordan. And the question is the same for us in asking, will we stay or will we go? Do we believe that God is giving us those things that he's promising to us? Do we believe that, God, that Jesus will build his church in our city? Do we believe this is something God is giving to us? Do we believe that he will save and add people to his church? Do we believe that his kingdom will come in this nation? Are these things that, that he, has he, has he done something in order to give these things to us? Are we going to believe that God will forgive and free and transform and heal people? Has, has God done something in order that he would be able to give these things to us? That we wouldn't be going out to try and make them happen, but we would be taking hold of that which God has given to us. God gives these things to us. He's won them for us. And uh, I can't help but, but focus a little bit on this, this expression, three days Three days. And uh, I thought at first I might be making too much of it, but then I began to look through the Old Testament, and again and again and again you find this expression, three days. And it has huge significance. Three days means something in the Bible. It is a phrase that, that carries weight. And of course, we see the fullness of it in the New Testament as Jesus rises again on the third day, God's decisive action on the third day, raising Christ uh, to, uh, to life. In 1 Corinthians 15:4, the Apostle Paul says, Christ was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. According to the Scriptures. And he's referring back to the Old Testament to time and time again this motif, this type of the third day of God acting decisively on the third day. It occurs in the uh, life of Abraham, in Hosea, in, uh, in Hezekiah, in Esther, uh, at Mount Sinai. Time and time again, you get this expression, three days, and I'll leave it to you to kind of to, 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 to look it up and to scroll through your Bible and so on. But I'll just focus where it's made most explicit is in Matthew's Gospel, in Matthew 12, uh, verse 40, where, 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 where we read, for as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man, talking about Jesus, will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. He's linking this three-day motif with Jesus and its fulfillment in his, in his death and then resurrection as he rises from the dead. And so when we read three days, I, I think it's legitimate. In fact, I'm, I'm going with it. There's, there's something that, that alerts me. There's something significant about these three days. It makes me think about Jesus' death and resurrection. This is pointing forward to us. This was written for us. This book of Joshua is written for us, it's written for you and me, that we would see the significance of it in our lifetime and that we would step over into the good things that God is giving to us. You see, God is giving to us those things which he has already purchased on the cross through Jesus' death and resurrection. These things that God is promising to us are his to give. The, the work, in a sense, has already been done. When Jesus says, uh, he sends his disciples, go into all the nations and, 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 and make disciples. 
He's, he's already done that which, which is needed to make that possible in his death and resurrection. In fact, Jesus says, look, it, the, the harvest is plentiful. I've, I've done what's needed through my death and resurrection. The harvest is plentiful. What, it, what is needed is workers. What is needed is people who are prepared to step over the Jordan, as it were, and into the harvest field to go and reap the harvest that is there that Jesus has already won, already purchased through his death and resurrection. God is giving us the kingdom. He's giving you the kingdom. He's already done the work in the person of his son, Jesus. And the question is, will we stay or will we go? Will we stay or will we step over the Jordan to, to reap the harvest that Jesus has won for us? Our success or failure does not depend on our efforts or skill, but on the death and resurrection of Jesus. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. And this is why this word possess was really jumped out at me. Possess is a very practical thing. Possess is not just about a kind of an intellectual ascent. Yes, I can see that God is, is giving us those things. I, I, I believe that Jesus died and rose again. I, I believe that the gospel can be effective. He's actually possessing them. It's taking hold of them. It's practically doing something about it. The Jordan needed to be physically crossed. The land needed to be physically stepped into. And there were battles uh, to take place. See, faith in God's promises is a hugely practical thing. It is not mental ascent. It leads us to do things. The question is not, do I, but do I just believe God in the sense of intellectual ascent? The, the, the issue is, do I believe God in the very specific sense that am I prepared to do something about it? This is the faith that James talks about that's alive and living and powerful. This is how we possess the promises of God. We take hold of those things that God is giving to us. And the promises of God often work out in our lives in all kinds of, of different ways. And we hear God in, in different ways, personally, prophetically, through his, through his word and through one another as we, kind of, we, we hear God's word together. But the question will then come, will I step into the promises of God? Will I possess them? And perhaps God is calling you to, to lead a life group or to be involved in some kind of ministry in the church or to lead some area of church life. Perhaps you're, you're believing that God's going to give you fruit in that and he's going to be with you in that. Well, then there'll come a point where you need to possess the things that God is calling you into. You'll need to actually take a step forward into those things and actually start doing them. Actually start leading a life group. Actually start volunteering in some ministry or other in church life. Maybe God is calling you to share the gospel with someone. Well, it's not about whether we just intellectually believe the gospel is powerful and the word of God is powerful and effective. It's not just whether we think in principle that God could do it. It's whether we will step out in practice and open our mouths and share the gospel with those around us. Perhaps God is calling you to serve in your community in some way promising to extend his kingdom through your, your actions. And you're, you're hearing God here. And he's gonna, I remember God speaking to me kind of many years ago about something he was calling me into. And I, kind of got, I was excited about it. I was kind of timid about it as well. I was a bit fearful of, could I do that? I'm not sure that I can do that. But I, I knew God had spoken. But there comes a time when you need to say, hey, I'd, I'd love to help with that. Or could I be involved in that? Or I'd love to kind of, kind of serve in this way and step into those things that God is calling you into and possess the promises and sometimes it can feel very, um, very unglamorous 
possessing the promises. And it can be involved kind of day after day or week after week or serving and serving and serving. It can feel unglamorous, but this is what it is to take hold of the promises of God. And as you do, you will see fruit and God will build his church and he will extend his kingdom and you will take ground as you possess the promises that God is speaking to you about. Well, just finally now, this final word that jumped out at me, and uh, I don't know whether it jumped out at you, and it's rest, rest. This was the final thing I just want to share that encouraged and gave God's people courage to step into the land, to, to step in from outside uh, the land, to step inside the land. It's rest. And again, we're working our way in. And now we come right to the core of this passage. This is right at the heart of this passage. In, um, as uh, Joshua says to the, uh, the, the two and a half tribes of, uh, uh, in verse 12, he says, The Lord your God is providing you a place of rest and will give you this land. Then again in verse 15, They're to fight until the Lord gives rest to your brothers. Rest. It's a wonderful word, isn't it? Rest. The third thing that the Israelites prized and that encouraged them into the land was that God was giving them a place of rest. They weren't going to be continually striving and fighting. There was a, a rest ahead of them, undisturbed, settling in the land and um, flourishing in the land that was coming to them, that God was giving to them. This was God's heart for them. He wanted them to enter this rest. And I don't know if you can remember a long time ago when we could go on holidays. Do you remember those? Particularly when you go on holiday kind of overseas to those kind of paradise places. And uh, a long time ago now. And I don't know about you, but for me, the first bit of going on holiday is quite hard work. So you have to kind of, you have to kind of work to get kind of job and house and pets all kind of sorted. You have to kind of catch up and make sure everything is going to be left okay for the next kind of week or two. Um, a lot of work to be done there. Then you have to pack, and packing is quite hard work. What, do, what, do I, what am I going to need? Imagining kind of all the different things that you, you might need to take with you and then squeezing it into your, your, your case. Um, then you've got to travel there, and that, and that can be quite draining. And maybe you love travel, but for me, I just find travel really hard. So getting in the car, and I've got to make sure, oh, then, then driving back, of course, to your house to get your passport, and uh, then driving back again to the airport or wherever it is, and then waiting around the airport, and then um, getting the, 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 what are they, the free tokens as your flight is delayed and delayed and delayed, and trying to tell yourself this is a bonus, this is a bonus. Um, we were there for hours once. I was collecting what they were. I forget what chocolate bars they were, but I was ba basically putting on different outfits from my, uh, from, from my, 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 um, my, my kind of uh, holiday clothes, kind of sneaking them out of my case and putting them on and just walking past again and taking another chocolate bar. Kind of, uh, and we, we, we ate quite well on the holiday as we worked through those chocolate bars. But anyway, you're, the, the, the getting there is hard work. And even when you arrive, you then got to kind of unpack and all that kind of stuff. And it's a bit disorientating. But here's the moment that I live for. Here, well, here's the moment, that my favorite moment on a holiday anyway. I live for other things, believe me. But this is the best bit of going on holiday for me. It's when you arrive there and you're tired and exhausted, but you've, you've unpacked and you sit down in a chair and you've got a glass of water, cool water in your hand, and you just rest. We've arrived. There's, there's no work tomorrow. There's nothing pressing that needs to be done over the next few days. It's just there's wonderful possibilities now opening up. There's a wonderful rest that, I, or that, that we enter into um, at that point 
in a, in a holiday. Maybe, the, maybe they're getting there's fun for you, but for me, this, this, this word rest, it reminds me about that. In fact, didn't Goff kind of give an illustration of God's rest a little while back as he kind of rested in a big armchair here? Well, if you can imagine that, you're in an armchair, and yet you've got this wonderful view ahead of you, and it's holiday, so there's wonderful things. It's not inactivity completely. There's wonderful things to do, but this amazing sense of, re- of rest that God calls us into. God created the world, and then he rested from his work. Jesus paid for our sin on the cross, and as he died there, he called out, it's finished, it's finished, it's done. And then he invites us to enter into his rest. As he pays for our sin and the sin of millions more, he then calls us, so you come and enter my rest. I've done the work for your forgiveness. I've done the work for your acceptance. I've done the work that you would be called children of God. I've done the work that you would have an inheritance in God. I've done the work that you have a hope and a future forever and ever and ever in the renewed heavens and earth, in the presence of God forever, ruling over creation. I've done the work, and now I'm calling you into my rest. You rest from your work. You rest from your striving to be good enough for God. You rest from your need to pay for your sin and your wrongdoing. You rest from trying to reach a certain standard. Come and rest as dearly loved children of God in the family of God forever. God calls us to enter his rest, just as he called these Israelites to come and dwell in the land, uh, flowing with milk and honey. His plan for them that they would dwell there um, unattacked, they will be fruitful there. It pointed towards a time when the whole earth will be renewed and God will dwell with us, his people, and we will enter his rest. One day we will have complete rest when there is no more sin or sickness or death. The earth will be renewed, but right now we can enjoy a foretaste of God's rest as we rest in in his work for us on the cross, in Jesus paying for our sin, as we rest in God's love and acceptance for us in Jesus. And we serve right now. We do work hard right now. We serve God in the harvest fields, but we do so from a place of rest and ruling and reigning with Christ. We're resting in what Jesus has done for us. We're not striving to make something happen. How do we enter God's rest? Well, we do so by faith believing in Jesus' work on the cross for us. Hebrews 4.3 says, we who have believed enter that rest. We enter God's rest, a rest in the finished work of Jesus Christ for us through believing that he has done it. And one day we will rest in a renewed heaven and new earth. 